You're listening to the Get Fucking Real Show. Strap in as your host, Lisa Cherney, takes you on a ride full of GFR moments. From powerful messages to exclusive interviews to untold stories of super shitty moments before big successes. And even real-life confessions. Lisa's been mentoring millionaire entrepreneurs for over 20 years, coaching top coaches and tapping her mighty woo-woo side to mentor the best of the best spiritual peeps. It's time to bring on the straight talk from successful, soulful entrepreneurs, inspiring you to live without regrets, to create your legacy, and be unapologetically you. And now, it's time to GFR. Life is too short to be a slave to your own dream Cause I'm working too hard And I want to feel so alive I jump out of bed because I love my life Living on my terms, I know that I will thrive Being myself, clarity will arrive So I'll stand out and be J-U-I-C-Y Hello, guess who? That's Lisa Journey, host of the GFR Show. And I'm excited to talk about relationships today and how transformational they could be in our lives and the idea of love and how it serves us when we look for it in all the right places. <laughs> Jennifer Arizio, who is the founder of Soul Language, is our guest today. And she and I go way back. Here's a little tip for you if you ever want to get someone's attention of somebody that you want to like do business with or partner with. She reached out to me, gosh, almost nine years ago now and offered to do her soul language work with me for free just to have me sample it so that I could experience it. And then perhaps if I have a good experience, I would share it with my clients. And so it's really, really funny. She reached out to me to be on the show and she's like, yeah, back in 2011. And I totally remembered it. And so she talks about my soul language on the GFR squad special segment. And she mentions her soul language multiple times in the show, which is the graceful warrior. And so you'll kind of get to know what that means through how she refers to herself. But here's a question for you. Do you have connection to golden ticket moments in your life? And I loved her expression, gold ticket moments. She has small ticket moments. And as she talked about it, I really kind of got vivid sort of like my life flashed before me of those golden ticket moments. And of course, this is a reference to uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, a really fun movie and now show. And it creates a really vivid, visceral connection to poignant moments in our life. She's a hoot. And like I said, she's founder of Soul Language which is a paradigm that puts tangibility to soul so you can make a conscious connection with decisions for success. She is a master intuitive as well and author of two best-selling books. She's also trained practitioners, which I think is pretty freaking awesome when you get to the point where you've created sort of a thing and then you're training other people in your thing and they're doing it around the world. So she has 20 practitioners for soul language around the world. And at this time, there's over 5,000 individuals that have connected to their soul language. She also has her own podcast called Superpowers of the Soul, which I'll be on shortly and I'm excited about. And we have a, just a fun conversation. She talks about you can't date the goo, <laughs> which I just, just a really cute way of saying lots of things. And that was illuminating for me and you'll hear what she means by goo. And I think that you'll resonate with it. So without further ado... Join me in my fun conversation with Jennifer Arizio. Hello, everybody. I am so excited for you to meet today's guest, Jennifer Arizio. Hello. Welcome to the Get Fucking Real Show. I am so excited. My two favorite things, getting real and, well, you know. <laughs> I like how you roll. I knew I did, but, you know, of course. <laughs> You're the first one to kick us off that way. And you know what? That is one of the things that I just so much love about the word fuck. It's just like... It's sexy, it's like strong and, you know, disruptive and it's just, yeah. You know, George Carlin does an awesome skit about it and I should be airing those things too, but uh, yeah, it's such a great word. Yeah, it's a great word and it has a big impact and I don't think 
people understand this, that if you kind of float from your body, if you're not really connected to your body, if you say the word fuck, it instantly grounds you. And I think sometimes we need that instant grounding for reconnection and to really make decisions that work in our favor and are from wholeness and completeness rather than fear. Oh my God, that's awesome. Yes. (laughs) Put it in those words. Exactly. I just knew that I had this flash of, okay, I need to help people. I, the 12 GFR commandments came in. I said, I need to help people get real. I was like, well, that's not strong enough. That's like some reality show or something like, no, I need to, you know, and that's when I added the F in our very first episode, I talk about, you know, why adding the F and all that. But I, I love that. Anything more you want to say about that? You know, I think that so many people kind of shy away, especially kind of in the metaphysical, spiritual coach room, about being truly real. They're so used to being like, hearts and flowers. And I'm like, that doesn't work for me. I have warrior energy. And if it's not integrated and tangible, it's actually not going to make a difference in your life. So I think it's really important that we are consciously transparent in getting real with ourselves. And really kind of integrating that humanness and our soul and, you know, not being at war with either one of those. And so I'm really excited to be here and have a conversation with you. Me too. Me too. Yeah. So fuck has a purpose. It sure does. Multiple purposes. <laughs> that is a great tagline, by the way. That is. I'm writing that down. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're having so much fun already. Okay. So welcome to the show. And I'm super excited to have a conversation with you. There's so many places we can go. And you and I have had a, like a touch point in 2011, which was a really pivotal year for me. You know, I left business partnership to kind of go out on my own. I was feeling like I needed to break free. And that was the beginning of me creating the seven figure business, which then I dismantled in 2014 and, you know, kind of hibernated for a few years and then, you know, launched GFR. So it's no accident that we came back around for you to be on the show. And I'm really excited for people to hear your story, particularly, and we were talking about this when we were getting ready, is because not all my guests sort of live their story every day. Not all my guests, their story and their personal process, like mine, <laughs> is sort of where it's at all the time, right, with their clients. And, but it is for you because you help people, you know, on the level of their soul. And so that is something that you are constantly in relationship with within yourself. So we're going to lead up to like a pivotal GFR moment that really has contributed to, you know, the last six or seven years of your work. But tell us what did life and work and meaning look like for you before and like that you thought this was my truth. Like I'm good. These things are good. And then they weren't. But what was it when you thought it was? Yeah, I mean, I was, I created a paradigm, which helps people connect to their soul. It was really flowing. I just came off getting my book published. I think I was working on the second book. Things were humming along. I was satisfied. And there was always this kind of little underneath, you know, I could hear my soul and soul always says this, by the way, but I can hear my soul going more, more, more. And I was like, okay, well, what's more? And I, you know, I was happy and yet I knew that I was focusing on work to kind of fulfill my desire, but not fulfill my greatest desire. And my greatest desire was to experience love in a very profound way. You know, I have two great desires, freedom and love. Um, And they're very big kind of desires, right? But when I kind of pray out into the universe, that's what I pray for, freedom and love. And so I was kind of using all of my success at work to kind of ignore this deep desire to experience this profound love. And And was it unconscious at the time? Like you didn't really know that it... Most of it was unconscious. There were glimpses of consciousness about, you know, oh my God, I'm working so hard. Why am I working so hard? You know, why am I working when I can be doing other things? There was kind of that peeping up. Right. You know, so if I felt an imbalance or felt like something was right. off, like your motivations or your, what was driving you didn't feel congruent in some yeah. way. Yeah. And if I paid attention to what I was saying, even expressing out loud, I would have gotten you the red flag and went, hello, you know. What were you saying? 
I, you know, I was saying, I'm tired, I'm working, you know, uh, I remember being in my car and the Queen song came on, you know, the one about give me somebody to love. And I'm sitting there the time like singing at the top of my lungs and like tears are rolling down my face. And I'm like, okay, this is not freaking normal people. Like what's going on? You know, and I think when we're doing something really big, when we're creating that big shift, we tend to hide from it at first. We know that there's something wrong, but parts of it can be really painful and we don't want to really look at it so deep. And, and sometimes doing the, thing, the work that I do with people, sometimes at the end of my day, who kind of wants to look at your own stuff, right? Right. So there was kind of a playing of hide and go seek. The real reason why I was kind of looking for romance, looking for that partnership, which was deeper than, oh, I just want to share my life with someone. I was playing hide and go seek with that prior. So I was successful and I was going, you know, but there was this undercurrent of, is this all there is? Isn't there supposed to be more? That kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like epidemically common and so not talked about, right? I look at external manifestations of that, which I think in a large part are addictions of all varieties, y'all. What your thing is, (laughs) mine was food, (laughs) you know, because those are the things that mask the unrealized desires and the things, you know, the hide and I love hide and go seek. I just love it. Well, you're nurturing yourself with addiction, right? So you're trying to fill an unfillable hole and, you know, you get this bump of, oh, And then that only lasts for so long. And so you need a bigger bump. And so it keeps going on and on and on. And, you know, my addiction was work. And I still love to work. But it was beyond of really, am I enjoying doing what I'm doing? Or am I doing this? Because I don't want to really kind of admit what I truly want. I think the beginning of like the transformational process was noticing it and starting to admit to it. Confessing, if you will. (laughs) You know, and going, oh, okay, this is what I want. I'm ready. You know, and prior to that, I didn't date for over five years. Date, not even sex, date. So that was a kind of a long cocooning of really understanding what I truly wanted. Yeah. Thank you for that. And I want to pause on the confession or the notion of, right, GFR. I heard you say that you got to a point that you were ready. What was it before that? Because that's where I feel like we're really fucking up, you know, because yes, being ready, once you're ready, then you're willing to take the action and then you're willing to say it out loud and you've been sort of pushed to the brink or there's some life thing happened, someone died and you're like, fuck, life is short. Like there's some impetus. But before that, right before that, when it's the hide and go seek stage of it, you know, do you remember having those internal thoughts and like almost like first confessing to yourself that something's not right or that you're out of integrity with like the work that you're doing and the life that you're living? You know, I think that there, sometimes there's in those things, there's no golden ticket moment. I think sometimes there's little golden ticket moments, like little bits of aha. I realized in several conversations that I liked being alone, but I didn't want to be alone. Mm. You know, and I kept having the conversations about I'm lonely you know, I want to share my life with someone. I want to really experience what other people have when it comes to love. And as I'm saying this, I want you to know that I see a giant eagle approaching the window, uh, which is all about like, I was approaching all of that via warrior energy of like, let's get this done. Come on. (laughs) You know, and What's really funny about the big moment was that I kind of got, I took some steps and I finally got that kind of experience, but it wasn't the experience that really ultimately led me to where I am now. Wanting that desire, wanting to experience the love led me to the big transitional moment that led me to love. So it was like there was multiple hurdles 
in the outcome of my transition and my transformation. So it was really looking at me myself and going, okay, I'm annoying myself with what I'm saying. I'm annoying myself with how I'm feeling. What am I going to do about it? Where am I going to kind of stop complaining and make some effort? And I started making an effort. Okay. And which one of those steps was kind of doing the online dating. One of those steps was going, okay, what do I really want in a being and in a person? And one of those steps was really, and I'll roll my eyes when I say this, I was looking in the mirror, which everyone tells you to do this and everyone hates to do it. And it's a foundational thing. And we all roll our eyes, but freaking do it people because it makes a difference was looking in the mirror and telling myself, I love myself, right? I was like, I can't believe I got to do this. <laughs> and I, I was like, I can't believe, like, this is great, right? But looking in and going, I love you. And, you know, when I tell clients to do that, they're like, oh my God, I can't do it. I can't look at myself in the eye and blah, blah, blah. You know, when I first started, I was like, oh, look, I'm looking away, you know? And now, you know, I look at myself and I go, love you, you know, and, it, and it's this thing. But when I first started doing that to kind of take those action steps of finding a person, it was quite painful. So that was one of the action steps I did to get to the moment that took me through the big moment. So I hope that answers your question. Yeah, totally. It totally does. And thanks for getting into some of like the nitty gritty of what you did, because you know, the intention of the show is to move people to make changes and take actions and, you know, have their GFR moments and all in service of the way that they're supposed to be showing up in the world. What is their mission? You know, whether it's a business or philanthropy or whatever. So sometimes I think people really resonate with the very specific things and then also the overarching story. Yeah, you can't be your purpose in a big way in the world if one part of you is suffering. So I was being this, and I'm really good at my job. I am. I was being this great conscious leader. And in one part, I was suffering because I was ignoring my, one of my great desires, which was to be loved and to love someone fully and completely. So it showed up in my business in very sneaky ways. It showed up with over-loving clients where I'm like, okay, like this is out of integrity. Like they're not taking action. So how much am I going to love them without repeating the circle? When you're caring more about their shit than they are. Yeah, exactly. You know, so it was just a reflection of me not allowing myself to experience that love fully and completely. And so when I started making those little changes, my business shifted immediately because that was a source of freedom and easily transitioned. You How know, else did it show up in your business? It showed up in my business with understanding my work in a deeper way of understanding people's wants, their needs, their desires in such a profound way and really being able to tune into the soul in a bigger way to receive those expressions and those desires. So do you feel like before you really ventured into finding that love, the absence of that love in another area of your life contributed both positively and negatively to your work. Of course. I mean, the, one, the way you pack your suitcase is the way you do everything, mm -hmm. right? And so there was no way it couldn't impact it, right? I was holding back. So it was going to show up in my business. I was being ungenerous with myself. So it was going to show up in my business. You know, it was going to show up in every interaction in my life. I wasn't allowing someone to truly see me or afraid of it or wanting that. So I started online dating. And guess what? I found my person. <laughs> but wait, the story doesn't end there, Lisa. Good, because we got more time and I want to hear yeah. more stuff. <laughs> Good, because I found my person. And I think what happens with someone who's highly intuitive and really connected is sometimes they get this big vision and then parts of that vision don't work out. And they're like, well, I can't trust myself. I saw it all. And I think people forget there's free will involved and you're not the only one involved in that vision. So I met this man who had a small child and we instantly connected. 
And it was like coming home to an old friend that I hadn't seen in years. You know, it's that typical thing where you, you talk for hours on the phone, total high school, and then you connect and you have a good time and everything seems to flow and it's all easy and it's all instant. And so I saw it all, right? I saw the entire vision. I saw the courtship, the marriage, building a family together. And I was like, this is it, totally complete. And I was in all my glory. And I could feel it. I could feel his and we were in tune and we were in alignment. Then free will took shape. And for whatever reason, and I know the reasons now, but all of a sudden one day he decided it was over. Wow. And I was crushed. And it, not only that, but it took me a couple conversations with him to truly understand what he was saying. It just didn't I, compute. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Because I kind of know you're lying because, you know, intuitive, smart. What do you mean it's over? What? You're not going to fight for this? You're really that terrified? Like, what do you mean? And here's really important. I think that it's so key with people that are highly intuitive. You can't date the goo of someone. You can't have a business relationship with the goo with someone. You have to actually have that relationship with what they're presenting. Oh, tell me what, how you define goo. Goo is that internal soul, their essential nature, what you can see is possible. Okay. So, so now that we know the definition, say this again, because this is good shit. <laughs> you can't have a relationship, whether it be personal or business, with the goo with someone. You have to have a relationship with what they're presenting. As a coach, you can hold that kind of goo as a higher standard for them, and you can move them towards the goo, but in the end, you have to have a relationship with what's interacting. And I think so many of us are having relationships with the goo, and then we're like, we don't understand what happened. So I was crushed. I was so crushed. And I was so mad at God, that's what I call my higher power, that I sought solace in so many sources. And I asked the same question again, over and over again. Like, what the hell? What the fuck? Wait, I saw it all. Why is this just not happening? And I can't believe this. And everyone gave me the same answer. There's a bigger purpose here. And I was like, do you want to give them the middle finger? <laughs> At the time, I was like, if there's a bigger word than fuck that I could come up with to yell at you, I would. I went into such a lack of or disconnection of faith, of connection, that I was like, I don't understand. Like, how could you do this? And that really is the, the wormhole, the wormhole of being so sure and being so connected and having this thing get you off your game that you are doubting anything that you've ever thought of. Yes, yes, yes. You're exactly right. It is the very core definition of a GFR wormhole is that the very thing that you think that you are a master at or like the one thing that you think like, I know this about myself gets questioned. And so like your whole foundation feels shaky and it's almost like, you know, you're going back through your life going, then maybe all these other things that I thought I was sure about are not, I'm not sure about. And wow. And on top of that, I couldn't fight my way through. Meaning on top of that, there was no warrior action I could do to solve the problem. Oh, right. And so I resonate with that. Cause I just, right? yeah, I need to take action. Like was there's a problem. Like let's take, I can't just sit in it. <laughs> right. But that's what I had not only to sit in it, but what I really had to do was surrender so profoundly to love, mm. which is kind of what I wanted, my great desire, right? Right. I was just putting this human expression on that great desire. I was giving it this tangibility, right? But when you're evolving your soul, there's so much deeper to go than the tangible experience. I'm warrior, right? So I was in bed for a couple of days. And everyone's like, come on, get up. I was like, no fucking, just let me, let me lie here. You know, like, tell me why this is happening. And no one had an answer that would work because there was no answer. 
and you just surrendered. You surrendered to bed. Yeah. <laughs> to me, is like the it's my same thing. I tell people like, yes, I have days where I just am in bed with the covers over my head. Yes, you know, there's just some some symbolic and physical and spiritual thing about just surrendering and laying in bed. And did you worry that you weren't going to get up again? When you asked that question, no. Like I knew, I knew that I would. And while I was in bed, I just kept watching Sons of Anarchy shows, which is not the greatest show to watch when you're <laughs> suffering because all they do is suffer. Interesting. And there came a moment where I was like, I can't take any more of this suffering. I just can't. And I just kept asking, all right, God, what do you want me to do? And there came a moment where I went, okay, we're going to be okay no matter what if I never get that love relationship or not, because I know on some level that I am so profoundly loved and I'm going to focus on that love and I'm just going to let the universe work the rest of the crap out. And I really surrendered. And I think about six months went by and I'm at dinner with my best friend and she's like, give me your phone. And I'm like, why? She's like, just give it to me. She goes, boop, 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 boop. She goes, I just signed you up for our time. I'm like, the old people sign? She goes, no, no, no. You are going to find your person on our time. And I'm like, okay. So it's morning and I can hear the cell phone going off with all the beep, beep, beep emails. And I'm like, why do I have like 300 emails? And finally I open up one and it says, Joan is really excited about meeting you. <laughs> And I'm like, Joan. And I open up the app and I'm like, I call, I go, Air, I love you. But you hit that I was looking for a woman. And that's cool, but that's not what I want. And she goes, well, how many emails do you have? I go, I have 350 emails of all women <laughs> looking for me. She goes, well, can't you just date one and see? I was like, you can't do that. So I switched over the app. And the next day I had three <laughs> men, three men looking for me. So I started scrolling through and there was this guy photo that came up. And this is really important that when faith is an active participation. So when you tune in and when you hear something and you know how you're hearing, meaning you know what it feels like when you get that inspiration from your soul, that you have to take action on it. So this photo comes in, that's this guy with sunglasses, you can't see his eyes, he's in Pennsylvania, and I hear, pick that one. I was like, no fucking way. He's in Pennsylvania. I can't see his eyes, and I hear, pick that one. And I was like, fine. So I picked that one, and we're on the phone within 12 hours, and we're meeting within, you know, 24 hours. So we're having dinner, which is really lunch, and I hate him. Okay. And I want to stab him with a spoon so it hurts. <laughs> and he's like, let's go for coffee afterwards. And I call Aaron and I go, I hate this guy. And she's like, why? I go, because he wants to talk to me and he thinks I'm pretty. And she goes, do you want to give that a try? And I think what's really important is also surrounding yourself with people who are going to hold that higher consciousness for you that are going to be that voice of reason that says, wait, in a loving way, look at this. I was like, yeah, I'm going to give it a try. So we went for coffee and we had an okay time. And the next day I'm in my kitchen and I'm screaming at God, like, what about this guy and blah, blah, blah. And God goes, you know, you have choice. I was like, fine, whatever. Again, another moment, pause, listen, connect. The phone rings as I'm hearing this, and it's Warner. Warner asking me for a second date. I'm like, and he goes, you know, you have a choice. I went, oh, geez. <laughs> it's fine. And by the fifth date, we were in Philadelphia, and he's sitting on the bed, and I was like, holy shit, this is my person. Mm -hmm. And it shows you just how much really tuning in and loving yourself create such profound love in your life you know he's my person is it a perfect relationship no 
did everything click in place and everything's perfect? No, but he is my person. And he profoundly gets me even when he doesn't get me. And that's what I wanted, right? So, you know, now that I can look back at that moment of that, oh my God, I had this vision. I never had a vision with Warner, never. I had to make a choice to be in that. You know, I think sometimes when we have that vision, we lose our choice of participation. We lose our choice of evolution. I don't have to fight with Warner. We hardly ever fight. And when we do, we just automatically, each one of us goes, I pardon you. He goes, I pardon you. And we both sit there and go back and forth with, I pardon you, joking. It's something that is so unique and indescribable. And I think so often when we come through that traumatic experience, when we come through that moment of true choice, of choosing our own evolutionary path, that the other side, we can put in all these silly human words, but it's really truly undescribable because it forever changes your outlook. I mean, it's four years and I can still joyful tears about that moment where I finally realized like, holy mother, this is it. This is what that great desire is because you surrender to the love inside of you. And if you're rolling your eyes out there, I've rolled my eyes about that statement because it's that old cliche of you have to love yourself. I get it. I get it. But it's so freaking true. And I think all of those big, huge wormhole moments is really moving someone from separation, whether that be big or small, to this wholeness and completeness of understanding what they're capable as an individual expression of the one. And that's freaking profound. And I love that you're chronicling that because I think more people have to know that you're not alone on that journey. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. And by understanding the tools, the situation, the feelings, the beliefs of others, it's like guideposts, directions as you're going through that wormhole to know, oh, there's another side. And there'll be more wormholes. That's the funny thing. But now that I know, I know that each wormhole, even though when I'm in it, can be very stressful and very separate. I know that on the other side, it's not going to be that way. And I've included people in my life to remind me that, oh, no, 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 you got this. Or I'm here. Or to remind me to tune in, to go into that deep connection of love and know that I'll be safe no matter what wormhole I'm traveling. So beautifully put. Thank you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was so awesome. <laughs> and I didn't know the whole story. So I was like on the edge of my seat and I want to meet Warner. And yeah, so beautiful. And I really appreciate how it's given you a perspective of the divine purpose of the wormhole and that you realize that you have to surround yourself with people, not a ton of people, but a couple of people that like tether you, you know, to coming out the other side and reminding you it's going to be okay. And, and that it is surrendering to love is surrendering to these experiences that then up-level you or evolve you. I don't think that we always come out the other side of a wormhole really surrendering to this may happen again, (laughs) you know, and it's okay. (laughs) So I really applaud you for that. Thank you. I mean, I think it's so important. And, you know, I think also that it's what's key is that so often the divine is speaking to us and because we're in a place where we can't hear it, you know, then the divine sends others to repeat that in different ways. I know that often the divine speaks through my best friend, Aaron Saxton. I know that. There's been, I can bookmark the times that are like, oh, yeah, you know, I get that. And I know those other people that the divine usually speaks through them for me and reverse. It's important that as part of the wormhole process that 
you give yourself the option to sit back and go, okay, don't know what the heck I'm doing. Uh, who wants to come up with deep love for me and offer me grace? I think so often we're so busy beating ourselves up that we're unable to really kind of really hear all of the grace that's being presented to us. You yeah. know, the, the wormhole is not here to torture us. The wormhole is to get us from one place to another. And as Warner and I've talked over the years, we've circled each other in so many ways. Like we have so many weird connections that it's amazing all of the things that the universe, because who else could put that all together, had to be put together to illustrate to us the love, right? And yes. I think so often we all love those golden ticket moments, right? I love that expression. Big, right? The big moments. Yes. But there's so many little moments that we discount because we're so busy trying to run to the next thing. And what I've learned over my life is, yeah, I love the big ticket moments because they make a great story. But to notice the little ticket moments that are wowzers, the conversation with the divine and the conversation of me picking up the phone and Warner saying that, that's a little ticket moment. It seems big because of the impact, but it's a little ticket moment, right? Meaning there wasn't a lot of things that the divine had to move to make those two things happen, if you think about it. Right, right, right. Now, there's other really like big ticket moments where the divine had to do a lot to move. And I'll give you an example. So I'm in my car yelling at God. You notice my theme, warrior. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I want proof that I exist. And I want proof that my dad who passed knows that I'm alive and is rooting for me. I want proof. And so I'm driving and the radio's on and the song that comes on that reminds me of my father. I'm like, you know what? That's so little. I don't want that little proof. Like, give me something big. And the radio announcer comes on. And he's like, thanks for all of the suggestions about the old music and all of those party disco places. And he starts naming them. And I'm rolling my eyes. And then he goes, and Brothers 3. I take my car because I'm driving. And I'm like, Whoa. that was the name of my father's bar that I even forgot he had. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I get it. That's a huge big ticket moment. Like that took a lot of working, right? <laughs> easy so, for God. But. Right, easy. <laughs> but, so, you know, I think it's, you know, everyone talks about gratitude and I do a lot of, and I talk about this consciously. I've done a lot of drive-by gratitude in my life. Oh God, thank you. So blah, blah, blah. But oh, by the way, I don't have blah, blah, blah. Right. So I practice a deeper gratitude, but what I also practice is sitting each day and going, okay, what were the moments? What were the moments that were proof of being connected, being conscious, being supported? What were the moments of just sheer, oh, look, there's the divine, and really understanding that, because those are also the moments that I need to remember the next time I move through a wormhole. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Documenting and noticing. Yes. I love that. So how has this experience and connecting with Warner and realizing that it's okay that you don't have the whole vision, right? That you can just choose in that moment and sort of own your own path. How has this impacted your business, your work, your expression that way? I'm let go of control a lot more. Wow. You know, I think before there was control about every decision and controlling all of the little bits and pieces. And I embodied more of a practice of mine. I'm just responsible for my next choice and my next movement and my own use of my goo. You know, no one has any more power than anyone on this planet. It's how we use our power, how we use our soul how we're using our manifestation of choice and our decision and our connection. I think that's been a big way. Also a big way is I'm a lot softer hmm. in the best possible way. And, and not just because you're getting laid now. 
backtrack um, as I blush. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's like we think, we just think, well, what the relationship, right? Joking aside, it's like, what is the relationship going to contribute to my life? You know, I have this person, I won't feel lonely anymore and I'll feel seen and, you know, yeah, and I'll feel sexy and all those things. But like what I'm hearing from you is that that's not it. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, and it also, I, I don't have to work to be seen or to be heard. I don't have to work to be loved. I'm not looking outside of myself for that. You know, Warner showed up really because there was loving me or nothing else. And so it's impacted me in so many ways. I mean, simply, sometimes he'll just go, I'll be saying something, you'll go, how can I support you? Now I know he uses my language because he's heard me say that, which is, cracks me up. But I also know he really wants, you know, how can I support you? So part of it is also asking for support. I think, especially if you're strong, if you're a warrior, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you name it. We're so used to doing it all and doing it all ourselves and being that kind of leader in so many ways. I ask for more support than I have ever in my entire life. And that's because of Warner. I mean, there's, there's this funny story about, I hate taking out the garbage. I hate it. And at the beginning of our relationship, he'd be like, can I take out the garbage? I'd be like, no, I'll do it later. What? <laughs> so, I, you know, again, little ticket moment. I remember going, okay, great, thank you. And that had a big impact on me because when people would ask me for something and I really wanted it, but I would feel weird saying yes I just start saying yes okay great you want to do that knock yourself out you know in the best possible way and so you know those things are always impact everything because again I wasn't holding back I was being generous with myself as well as others yes yes and you said you know that's all because of Warner when I'm really and I'm really hearing is that's because I chose to love myself first. Yes. That's because I let go of a relationship that wasn't serving me and the dream and the vision that I thought it was. That's because I got back in the game and made a decision. And that's because I'm open to receiving and like all of that, right? It's like not that external right. with this name of Warner, right? It's, like, it's just like the process, the process that is ending for the moment in the person named Warner. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the reflection of the internal is the external, right? Yes. So yeah. I remember when I really accepted my warrior nature. I was sitting at a coffee shop and this person sat down next to me and we were talking. And I kind of just offhandedly said, oh, well, you know, I have warrior nature. And he's like, that's amazing. And I went, oh my God, look, external expression of the internal knowing, you know? And I think so often people especially as they're going through a painful moment, you know, are looking for the external expression to fix the internal or make them feel less painful. And it, unfortunately, yeah. it doesn't work like that. And, you know, some people will go, oh my God, the external expression, and now I can feel this way. And I'm like, it's kind of the chicken and the egg, you know, you felt that way, you just weren't conscious of it. That was your vibrational stance. And now it's the reflection. You know, now that I look back at it, I can look back at that whole situation of the wormhole moment and feel no pain. There's no attachment. There's no uh, charge around it, truly and honestly. I think when that happens, it's a total completion of that wormhole, meaning you haven't left anything of yourself in that process, in that wormhole. And I think that's key to evolution and integration. I think that's key to embodiment. And I think so often people in pain are trying to rush through that pain so they feel better and they're missing all of the goodness of the integration and the embodiment and the evolution. They're missing that the expression of their soul more into their being. And let's be honest, the soul never hurts. So it wasn't my soul that was breaking. It was my emotion, my human heart and the human expression that was in pain, not my soul. My soul knew exactly what was going right. on. Right, right, Yes, I love that. I love that. And thank you for really magnifying the blessing of the wormhole and how important it is to feel it and be in it. And, you know, and so many of our guests 
have wormholes that they share where they you could just feel like an integration they know what the purpose and the learning and they're here to share and then there's something that's more recent <laughs> you know that is more fresh and and not as integrated yet which is totally okay and beautiful and and it's really what the show is about so what i want to say to everybody I'm like keep listening right you like jennifer's episode it resonates with you keep listening and when you're feeling like you need to be fed and you're in a wormhole and you want to find meaning or you feel like somebody that just keep listening to the next story. And my intention is that by listening to all these stories that you are going to get what you need to see that light at the end of the tunnel, to have that big ticket moment, small ticket moment, you know, all of that. And so I really appreciate your perspective, you know, as a person who is in the work of uh, helping people know themselves better and their work better. And you obviously are walking your talk. Thank you. you know? And you had a moment where you weren't and you're, you know, and like, I need to love myself. And I feel like that's part of our journey as mission-driven entrepreneurs is we, we realize we need to fucking GFR right. Right? and step up and then move through to the next place, which is what you have really exhibited to us that you have done. And I Thank you. that I really do. Your favorite GFR commandment, uh, which is no mistake, right? was number seven, which is trust yourself, trust your gut. And of course, the confession question is, what is my intuition telling me? I mean, probably an obvious answer, but I just wanted to see if there's anything else you want to share around. Why is that GFR commandment the one that really jumped out at you of all the 12? Because I think sometimes I've been harnessing practicing my intuition for the last 20 years and sometimes I think I'm smarter than my intuition and sometimes I'm in a rush and sometimes my intuition is so integrative that I don't ask any deeper questions I get the first layer and I'm like oh off and running you know warrior energy again action oriented and I think it's really important to pause and keep asking those questions there's this funny story that I tell, which was like 15 years ago, that I'm in the airport and my wallet is on the counter blinking at me. I'm like, look, I can't, I can't focus on you. I got things to do. I got to go through, you know, security, blah, blah, blah. And so I go through security and I pass a water station and the water bottles are blinking at me. I was like, I don't need to buy water. I have water. And it's blinking. I was like, fine. And so by blinking at you, you mean like your intuition is directed? Yeah, okay. I'm visual, so it's literally blinking. Okay. And I go into my purse to get my wallet. It's back on the counter. Right. And here's the funny thing. When I went back there, it was totally there. Everything was fine. But the guy at the front desk was like, we've been calling you for half an hour. Haven't you heard any of our calls? And I'm like, not one. Right. So interesting that, again, here's this moment to illustrate how I'm thinking my way through life, being unconnected rather than being connected. And so I often ask myself, okay, is this a blinking wallet moment? Do I need to pay attention more? <laughs> because it's a way of really going deeper and going, what else do I need to know? And I think so often people don't understand how their intuition is which is your soul speaking to you, by the way, how their in intuition, how their soul is speaking to them. They want it to look like something different. They want it to be one way. So they think that they're not getting anything and they're afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to go deeper in that understanding. And I think that's why connecting to your soul is so profound because it gives you a structure that's personal and intimate and a way to really get that clarity and get that connection and not outsmart yourself because yeah. I'm smart. And so I'm clever and I can come up with all these clever ways to outsmart myself. And what I hear most from clients that are, is, wow, I can't outsmart you. I was like, no, because I'm tuning into my soul and I'm just sitting back listening. I've got no skin or agenda in your game. I've got no past or painful experiences. So I hear what you're avoiding or you're hearing, but you refuse to kind of listen. And I think this is why wormholes come up. Your intuition, your soul is going to keep sending you the messages. And so sometimes they send it to you quiet 
and then it gets louder and then it gets louder and then there's the wormhole moment where you can't escape it where it's so in your face yes right and so when you have those systems and wormholes are always going to come up but when you have that system in place to pause and to listen more the wormhole isn't so painful and you are not avoiding the wormhole, but you're addressing and evolving. So you don't have to have that drastic moment of transformation because sometimes that really sucks. Yes. Yes. And that I've been distinguishing a GFR moment versus the GFR wormhole. And I feel like if we can embrace those GFR moments, and sometimes they're through our friends, and that's why I have the 12 GFR commandments. If you, you all haven't gotten your copy, that could be your roadmap, right? It could be reading a confession question and having that aha moment or listening to an episode and hearing one of our guests. And so absolutely, I think you hit the nail right on the head. It doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be the wall falling down. It could just be a little tap or a whisper in your ear. (laughs) Jennifer, this has been such a pleasure. Oh my gosh. I love that we've had these poignant times where our paths have crossed. I loved hearing your story and thank you for being so real with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. So amazing. And thank you for just allowing me to actually speak out loud what's true and just embody it even more. So thank you. You're very, very welcome. Okay, y'all. So you kept hearing Jennifer refer to herself as a warrior. And of course, I'm a warrior. And that's what warriors do. And if this soul language thing intrigues you, she has hooked y'all up with a free gift on creating a deep connection with your purpose. And in there, you will learn more about soul languages and what does the warrior soul language mean and all that good stuff. So go check that out. Link in the show notes. And she then does a special segment for our GFR squad, which is our membership. It's a paid thing, y'all, but it's super cheap. It's totally worth it to be connected with people that are in this GFR conversation. She does a special segment for our GFR squad members called Understanding Your Soul Language. And I am a guinea pig, which I am for a lot of our special segments with our guests. They kind of put me on the hot seat. So this one does not disappoint. And so she talks about my soul language that has master as a part of it and sort of what is the underbelly of that? Like, what is the shadow of that? And it, it's pretty illuminating. So if you're in the squad, go check that out. If you're not in the squad, go to gfr.life forward slash squad and join the squad. We still actually have founding member spots open, but I'm assuming in this new year as we get rolling, that those will go away and we'll be shifting to something different. So grab it while you can and share the podcast. Make sure you've subscribed, by the way. And if you haven't written a review yet and you're digging what we're doing here, we'd love for you to do that. It's easy in Apple Podcasts on the app to write a review. But if you're listening on Spotify or Google Play or any of the other places, we'd love for you to rate and write a review. That gives us more visibility. And of course, then we're helping other people, more people to GFR, which I believe is the roadmap for more impact and more money and more joy in your life. Until next time, can't wait to see you again over and out for now.